0: Hello and welcome to episode one of the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary, and in this premiere episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why I'm starting this podcast and who I am. I'm going to look at what I do when there's no brand new Doctor Who being broadcast on TV. I'm going to have a quick look back at the uh, Eccleston era back in 2005 when they brought the show back, and I'm going to look at this week's classic episode. Why am I starting this podcast? Well. I'm new to podcasting. I haven't done any shows as yet. Um, I'm in the the process of setting up a new podcast um, for my uh, geek blog over at Two Shots to the Head um, But I wanted something I could do solo, something that I could talk about um, and just get something out there. Um, and I thought, what better subject to do that on than Doctor Who? So um, I'm just going to talk about. I'm going to hopefully do this uh, weekly or fortnightly. I haven't decided yet. And I talk about Doctor Who on forums, on Twitter, Facebook, and I do talk to other Whovians, I guess, um, at conventions and stuff like that. Uh, But I wanted something that I could just, you know, lay my thoughts out about Doctor Who and how I feel about the show and its aspects and stuff like that. So I'm going to try and do it fortnightly, I think. And the show is just going to consist of some bits and pieces that I feel about Doctor Who, a couple of news bits... And I'm hopefully going to try and get some uh, guests on the show that I can interview. So, my name's Gary. I'm based in the UK. Um, I've been a Doctor Who fan for since about 2008, I guess. Um, I'm very, very late to the party. I was never really into Doctor Who when I was younger. I grew up in the 80s, so I guess that would have been the uh, Sylvester McCoy era. And yeah, so I was never really into Doctor Who and I I only got started in on Doctor Who after I saw an episode, um, a Matt Smith episode, just while I was browsing through, um, as you do, just browsing through when there's nothing else on. And uh, I think I'm sure it was 2007 and I was just looking around something to watch on TV and there was a Matt Smith, I can't even remember what episode it was, and I caught the last 20-25 minutes. And as soon as I started watching that I was just intrigued really I mean a a Doctor Who has grown massively in popularity and I thought you know what's all the fuss about you know it's this kind of weird guy in a in a posh suit you know running around shooting stuff with this screwdriver and stuff and I I just didn't it didn't appeal to me before I started watching it and that's not to say that I had a closed mind about it I just it just didn't really appeal but after watching this Matt Smith or part of this Matt Smith episode I was I was intrigued more than anything. So I started to look at a couple more Matt Smith episodes and pretty much immediately just got straight into it. There wasn't any... I didn't really have to go and talk to people to explain it to me. It was that one show where I thought, if I'm going to get into it, then I really want to get into it properly. And from there, I've just turned into just a a huge Doctor Who fan. I love it. So from there, um, I went straight out and picked up the... Uh, series 1, uh, the Chris Eccleston series, uh, and then it's just uh, snowballed from there, really. So, And recently I'm getting into all, all of the classic stuff, some of the big Finnish audio stuff. That's me as a Doctor Who fan. So moving on to the first subject of this podcast, I wanted to talk about some of the things that I do, um, and I'm sure other Whovians do, when there's no brand new Doctor Who being broadcast on TV. And especially at the moment where... Matt Smith has left the show, and there's quite a big gap between the new Doctor Who series starting, which I believe is uh, September, August, September time. There's no definitive date at the moment, but it's around that time, I believe, uh, with a new Doctor. And the first thing I want to say, actually, is well done to Stephen Moffat and all the BBC for, for telling us that there's going to be no series split like there was in the last one where we had half the series then we had a big break then we had the other half of the series and I I freaking hated that. They do it a lot in American TV where they just put this big gap in between the, the series and to me it it feels like the momentum gets lost. It's kind of that feeling where it feels like a brand new series is started after the break but it's still connected to the first half of the series. Yeah, and I I hate that. So if they're going to bring this one back and it's just going to be one bulk of episodes, then good stuff. Stuff that I do when there's no brand new Doctor Who on TV is I just start going back and just kind of getting myself back up to speed with all the stuff that's been before. Um, so that's a combination of just digging out the old uh, DVDs and Blu-rays from... Uh, the past Doctor Who series from 2005. Um, I've picked up a few books recently, and I've also picked up a load of uh, Classic Who, which is what I've been collecting over the last uh, nine, ten months, I guess. Yeah, and I, I, there's no kind of set pattern to it. I don't kind of plan out what I'm going to watch. So, you know, this month I'm going to watch this and read that, and then the following month I just literally just pick out something that I fancy watching. Um, If I'm going to be watching some Doctor Who in the evening it helps if I pick something from the David Tennant era because my wife is a really big David Tennant Doctor Who. She's not really a Doctor Who fan as such although she is gradually (laughs) getting there but she does really like the David Tennant uh, Doctor Who era. Uh, Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I'm going to be watching Doctor Who in the evening um, and my wife is around then I normally pick something from David Tennant she doesn't really go for Chris Eccleston and she kind of likes Matt Smith but she doesn't like him as much as David Tennant so if I'm here by myself then I'll just pick anything that I fancy watching and I just I try, I, I do try and pick something out from each Doctor uh, whether that be classic Doctor Who or the newer stuff and yeah, I just familiarise myself with what's gone before and when I do that there's always bits and pieces within episodes that I'd forgotten about and I and you don't really think that you would forget things, but for the last two weeks, I've actually been going through all of season one with Chris Eccleston, and there was some really good stuff in there, and a couple of just complete episodes which are really good, which I completely forgotten, which I'll come on to in a little while. The other thing I do is I'm always online with stuff. I go onto forums. I go onto Gallifrey Base, which is probably. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of forums where people just bitch about stuff all the time. The majority of forums that I used to go on, people just, you know, complain and moan all the time about stuff to do with Doctor Who, and I don't I honestly don't understand why. You know, they're obviously unhappy with certain things, they're not happy with it's normally directed at Stephen Moffat and the writers and stuff like that. You know, they're just not happy with how a series is going or, you know, how an episode turned out or why Stephen Moffat decided to do this in a story arc and stuff's too timey-wimey and stuff like that. So I try and steer clear of that stuff because the way I see it is that it's better to have Doctor Who on, you know, than not have it at all. So I'm sure all those people that complain on forums and that kind of stuff, I'm pretty sure if the BBC pulled the plug and just cancelled Doctor Who, that would be worse than actually having stuff that you know they, they have to complain about. So yeah, I, I jump onto forums. Um, I follow a load of people on Twitter and Facebook to do with Doctor Who. Um, so I just kind of keep up to speed with newsy bits, especially at the moment with the new series coming up and the new Doctor. There seems to always be, every week, there's always snippets of news about on-set photographs, uh, interviews. Stuff that might be coming up in the in the new series and stuff, so I always try and keep abreast of what's going on with the new series that's coming up. Previously, when it's been when like series five had finished or series six, and there wasn't a new doctor, there wasn't a great deal going on in between episodes. So I just yeah just do the same thing. I just dug out previous episodes of Doctor Who and stuck them on and enjoyed. And something else that I've got into recently is. Um, some audio books. Now, again, this isn't something that I've really had that's appealed to me before. I've not really got into it that much. But the uh, guys over at Big Finish, I didn't realise just how big the catalogue was of all of their Doctor Who. I mean, they do other you know bits and pieces as well, but I'm, as far as I can see, Doctor Who is their main uh, their main audience. And you know, I, I couldn't believe how how much that they've put together over the years. Um, and it's all stuff that stars the actual classic Doctors as well. Uh, I thought there were going to be shows that where they've just got other actors in uh, to do the Doctors part. But no, they've actually brought back all the classic Doctors. So Paul McGann, Colin Baker, Tom Baker, Peter Davison. All those guys are all there. It's great. So there's a few that I've picked up recently. Um, I've just finished listening to um, a story called Spare Parts which is a Peter Davison story uh, featuring the Cybermen and that was a cracking story um, when you're listening to audio books it's a bit like um, the first kind of audio play if you like that I listened to um, it was a couple of years ago now was the uh, Star Wars uh, national public radio uh, shows where they essentially just took the the Star Wars movies the original trilogy movies and they, they turned them into a radio play but they also had all these extra scenes and all these extra bits from the original screenplays that you didn't see in the film, and it just expands the whole experience. And it kind of feels like that when I'm listening to these uh, big finish plays, where they're not restrained by um, production costs on TV. They're not, you know, they don't have to worry about condensing stuff into a into a 45-minute show or anything like that. So they, there's a lot more freedom to take the story where they want to take it. And it's just really good. I'm halfway through uh, a new one at the moment which I've just ordered called The Chimes of Midnight which is a Paul McGann story. So I'm going to try and get into some more uh, Big Finish stuff over the next uh, few months before the new show starts. And anyone that hasn't checked out the Big Finish stuff go over there. They've got some great, great stuff. Um, And there's a website as well because when I went on to Big Finish I was, to be honest, I was a little bit intimidated by just the sheer volume of stories they've got. And I didn't really know which story to go for which was a a good one for people who haven't listened to those before Um, because I assume just like the TV shows there are good and not so good episodes. Uh, So I did a little bit of research a bit of um, digging around to see uh, if anybody had compiled a list or if anybody's got some opinions on which ones were good and bad and there's a really good uh, website called thetimescales.co.uk and this had just a raft of information about Every, you know, loads of people who had listened to Big Finish audio plays and then reviewed them and rated them. And then based on that, they're able to put together these collections where you can. it's a lot easier for a newbie like myself to, to have a look at stories that don't require backstories to listen to. Um, it gives you breakdowns on uh, the first episodes for New Doctors so their they're very first Big Finish plays, if you want to check them out from the very beginning. It's got some trilogies on there if you want to get them in bulk. Um, it's really, really useful. So I'd recommend checking that out. Uh, so yeah, I'll be checking out some more of those uh, Big Finish stuff uh, in the near future. So one of the things that I mentioned that I'd do in between uh, New Doctor Who on TV is to just go back and dig out some older episodes and uh, just familiarise myself with what's gone before. And something that I, I did last month Um, that took me up to a couple of weeks ago was to go back and check out uh, Series 1 from 2005 uh, with Chris Eccleston I'm the Doctor by the way, what's your name? Rose Nice to meet you Rose, run for your life I kind of had this crazy plan in my head that I'd go back to Series 1 and then just watch every series up to Series 7 ready for when Series 8 starts so I might still do that if I've got the time Um, but I definitely wanted to go back and check out Series 1 uh, because there isn't much in the way of Chris Eccleston uh, because he's only done one series. So. But I actually think he's a very good Doctor. So I wanted to go back and, and just uh, look at older episodes that um, I can remember and some of the episodes that I didn't remember. And there's a few episodes that uh, I really, really enjoyed. And before, I, before I'd mention those, Doctor Who has come on a long way since 2005. If you look at the uh, the production values, if you look at the uh, the way in which the story uh, the shows are actually made, there's such a huge difference um, in how in how they make Doctor Who today. In two thousand and five, it literally looks like a TV a, a class a, a classic TV series, um, and I don't mean classic as in classic Doctor Who from the sixties or seventies. I mean just general tv at the time so it looked very serial based it looked very not cheap because i think they had a a a much bigger budget than what they had before Um, but it just looked like um, just your everyday kind of bbc serial if you fast forward to today doctor who today especially in the last series series um seven every episode pretty much looks like a mini movie The production value is really, really high, and it's very cinematic and very epic and and really big. So you can tell that the budget has increased. I mean, I I don't think they've got. This is quite. I think people um, have got this misinterpretation that the BBC just pumps so much money into Doctor Who because it's one of their flagship shows um, that they can just you know they've got like a pile of cash that they can just do what they want which is actually not true the Doctor Who still hasn't got a huge budget but the team that work on Doctor Who are really really talented and they make the most of what they've got but yeah so Doctor Who today just everything is just so the scale is huge uh, the effects have come on leaps and bounds and there's just so much more going on but in 2005 even in the way the show was made it was quite simplistic and it wasn't really shot and cut together like it is today. And it's quite refreshing. I mean, it's not, you know, there's not these massive interconnecting storylines and stuff. I mean, I think the only thing that kind of went through those series is the bad wolf thing uh, with Rose. But that was kind That was. I mean, at the time it wasn't I mean, I I can't comment because I wasn't watching Doctor Who when it was first released in two thousand and five. Um, but when I did pick up the box set of series one and I just watched it all the way through as an as a newcomer, I saw these things about Bad Wolf, but I didn't really connect, I didn't really join the dots at the time. And when you saw the big the Bad Wolf reveal towards the end, you know, that was amazing. And but if you look at Doctor Who now there's all these timey-wimey interconnecting stuff and it can be a bit confusing so it's refreshing to watch Doctor Who back from 2005 because it just gets on with it and one of the things that uh, I wanted to say about when it was released back then was that it was exactly what it needed to be at the time and that was it needed to be because before it came back in 2005 the last bit of Doctor Who was the Paul McGann movie and before that was Sylvester McCoy and even now that look well at the time in 2005 that would have looked very dated and very old school so in 2005 it needed to be current and it needed to be it needed to appeal to the doctor who fans who had been watching the show up to that point plus it needed to attract a whole new younger audience and stuff and yeah it's it just plods along and it's got these it's got this overarch overarching story with Bad Wolf. It's got these creature features, if you like, and it's got these Doctor Light episodes as well, where there's not where they they take the focus away from the Doctor and they make it about the companion or a certain character in the in the show, which they've kind of stuck to actually up to now. So you have the uh, one episode that springs to mind uh, is a David Tennant episode, which starred Peter Kay. Called Love and Monsters, where the Doctor was um, hardly in that episode at all. It was more about this group of people um, who were kind of being seduced and and you know eaten, if you like, by this uh, this creature called an Absorberlof. Yeah, so these Doctor Light episodes, they they kind of take the focus away from the Doctor, and that's something that they've done right up till now. So. Let's talk about Chris Eccleston for a moment. Um, I I honestly think he's a very, very good Doctor. Um, I think he gets a lot of flack because he's completely removed himself from the show. You know, he doesn't... It it almost seems like he doesn't want anything to do with Doctor Who at all. You never see him at uh, conventions. If you look at people like Colin Baker... um, Colin Baker, uh, recently Paul McGann... um, those guys, they just eat up conferences. You know, they're always happy to talk to fans. They're at most of them in the UK. You know, with the with the exception of Matt Smith and David Tennant, who are you know incredibly busy. They don't go to these uh, mainstream uh, conventions. But David Tennant never shies away from uh, Doctor, who. and obviously Matt Smith doesn't because he only just left. But you can tell that he'll, you know, he'll carry you know the Doctor Who torch if you like, even though he's not on the show. But David Tennant, um, he's always up for con- uh, conventions. He just doesn't go to the the mainstream uh, ones. He goes to some of the smaller, especially the charity-based ones as well. The same with Billy Piper, and they go to some US-based conventions as well. But Chris Eccleston, Chris Eccleston, you just never see him there at all at any of them. He doesn't really like to talk about Doctor Who when he's whenever he's being interviewed, especially at this time as well when there's brand new Doctor Who coming up. And he's being interviewed about maybe one of his other programs that he's got coming up or just in general. Um, And the interviewer asks him about, you know, if he's looking forward to brand new Doctor Who and what he thinks about Peter Capaldi as the doctor and stuff like that. He just kind of, he's got this kind of sigh and it's like, oh, here we go again, more Doctor Who. So um, when he left Doctor Who, he did say that he was incredibly proud of the show and he was proud of what they produced at the time. But he doesn't. It doesn't really show, um, and he gets a lot of flack for that. Understandably, as fans, um, we like to, you know, see those actors who have played the Doctor, um, you know, embrace that. And it's it's one of those things where any actor that gets to play Doctor Who, it seems to follow them around for the rest of their career. They can't really, they can't really get away from that. And if you look at uh, interviews with David Tennant, for example um he he often says that he knew full well before he took the role of Doctor Who that it would follow him around forever um and he knew that going into it and he he was cool with that whereas Chris Eccleston, yeah, not really the same he gets a bit of flack um but as it's as as he stands as as a doctor, I actually think he's very good. he's got this kind of dark side to him he uh there was an episode that I actually watched the last one that I watched which was this morning in fact after I'd watched the entire series a couple of weeks ago I put this one on this morning it was an episode called Dalek and this shows his dark side a little bit he's kind of at a conflict with himself because he assumed that all the Daleks had been extinct Um, and yet this Dalek shows up and he takes him by surprise and his first reaction is to try and kill him kill the Dalek Um, him, Dalek are they him, her, it not really sure (laughs) Um, but his first reaction is to try and kill it and he's kind of at odds with himself because you know he's he's angry at the Daleks because you know the whole time war stuff but he does at the same token he's still at the same time he's still got this this very human um, understanding uh, uh, nature about him so he comes very very close to to kill in this Dalek a couple of times in this episode. Um, but it does show his darker side, and there's a few episodes in that, in that series where, because, which was revealed in the 50th anniversary actually, because he's coming fresh from the War Doctor, um, which is, as we know now, um, is when the Doctor was in a very potentially dark place. Uh, he hasn't really, and he's been on his own as well, he hasn't really... He hasn't really had anybody to to talk to, anybody to to travel with, and stuff like that. So he's very alone. He's very concealed in his feelings. Um, yeah. So I, the reason why I like Chris Eccleston is because he's got he does this thing where he can he can act a little bit crazy, but he doesn't go over the top, and he can also bring it down literally to the other end of the scale. And have this very dark, broody uh, kind of doctor, which is great. Um, now, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying he's he's the best doctor. You know, it's, in my opinion, he's not the best actor who's played Doctor Who, but he's very enjoyable to watch. And I think a lot of people um, maybe discount that and just write him off and say, you know, he he only did one series, and we're not really we're not really bothered about Chris Eccleston. He doesn't really he has no, he doesn't want anything to do with the show. He's only done one series, you know, meh. But some of the stories are very good. And like I said, it's made in a very different way to what it is now. But it's still very, very enjoyable. So that's what I've been doing in terms of TV, um, is going back and looking at the original series in 2005, which I've enjoyed loads. I mean, there was a, uh, an episode, the the episode called Rose, the opening one, is very, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't give you any character building. It doesn't reintroduce the Doctor in any way. He just turns up, uh, saves the day, and the only thing that he says to Rose is, "I'm the Doctor, by the way." So it does assume that you have a a, a kind of prior knowledge to who or what Doctor Who is. Um, but on the same hand, on the on a on the same hand, you don't need to have seen all of the classic Who to get it. So. Um, I really really enjoyed that so if you're stuck for something to do before the new Doctor Who show comes out I highly recommend digging out series one and familiarising yourself with uh, Chris Eccleston this episode's classic Doctor Who feature is from the Davison era and is the Caves of Androzani so a firm fan favourite this one. This was actually the very first uh, episode from the Davis era that I picked up and turned out to be his last so I did have to go back and pick up some previous Peter Davison episodes uh, to watch before this one but this was recommended to me by um, somebody on, I think it was Gallifrey Base said uh, I was I was looking at a thread where somebody else had asked what, what episodes to check out um, from the Davison era and this one was at the top of the list so I picked this one up and I'm really glad I did because although it's his last episode it does it does actually give you some of the some of the best of what Doctor Who is about from the classic era anyway and Peter Davison really is just fantastic as the Doctor in this in previous uh, episodes to this one uh, this Doctor especially Peter Davison he's he was kind of cast at the time he was very young and, you know, he was very, um, at the time, I, I guess he appealed to the ladies a bit more. Um, and this particular Doctor always had a, a, a good mix of humour, uh, sometimes anger, frustration. Um, but in this particular episode, those elements of his character and this particular actor really do stand out as the best performance for me of, of the Peter Davison era. Um the, the story centres around um, the, the TARDIS landing on uh, Andrazani Minor, and it's basically, on this particular planet, there's, um, it's, it's like the, the fabled uh, Fountain of Youth kind of story, where there's this substance called Spectrox, um, which is being mined on this planet, and the neighbouring planet, Andrazani Major. Um, is being supplied to the the population there it kind of gives you extended life and that kind of thing so obviously with something as as valuable as this there's going to be um there's going to be power struggles and politics and all the rest of it and it's this mix that peter davison gets it's this mix of different characters um and peter davison um, reacts to each of them differently um so well there's there's, there's pain and despair where he knows that his time is running out and um, his, his companion Perry, she actually comes very close to dying so there's that um, there's that anguish that he needs to um, save his companion rather than himself in this case. Um, there's humor I like the way that Peter Davison throws humor in now and then, which causes the the other characters to get really frustrated with him. He kind of likes to push the boundary a little bit, um, even though he's close to being executed and he's close to being um, to being shot by various soldiers and androids and stuff. He still has this, which is kind of kind of there in in the newer Doctor Who's as well. But he has this knack. The Doctor has this knack of just throwing out these very funny one-liners and these very funny questions at the most inappropriate times. And Peter Davison did that very very well. Um, I wasn't too I wasn't I'm not a huge fan of Perry as a companion I find her I find her acting to be a little the you know she's okay but I just find her acting to be a little bit um a little bit bit wooden and a bit um a bit obvious at times um but Peter Davison really does steal the show the bad guy in this um it's kind of like a phantom of the opera uh, feel to it, it, it it's He's been disfigured very badly, so he wears this mask. Um, and when he sees Perry, because it because he's been isolated for so many years, and the only thing, the only contact that he has really is just a bunch of sort of mercenary soldiers, um, and and these androids that he's built. So when he sees Perry, he kind of no, I don't think he falls in love with her, but he 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 realizes that he's been missing out on the. On on the female, the human female, um, you know, and he, so it's it's very Phantom of the Opera, and that's it's very romantic and that sort of thing. And the bad guy in this isn't really a bad guy at heart. He's he has the potential to do some really bad things, but he's he's in previous um, episodes in the Davidson era, he's come up with some truly evil um, evil uh, characters. But this character, uh, Jack, he's not he's not really evil. He's just he's just twisted by isolation and stuff like that. And this all plays into um, the hands of the the real bad guy, if you like, which is some uh, which is a polit- political type uh, person on the neighboring planet Androzani Major. Uh, he's kind of calling the shots from up there and he's he's leading these mercenaries and this military unit into this power struggle with to get this spectrox. So he's like the real bad guy, if you like. Um yeah, and it's just a really really great story. Um it's unfortunate that, you know, it ends with uh, Peter Davison regenerating into Colin Baker. Um that every doctor, you know, has their time when they have to move on. Um yeah, and it's kind of it's it's weird seeing Colin Baker regenerate at the end. Um because he's so well he's completely different to Peter Davison, way way different. But his very open his opening lines are very brash and very bold and you you immediately think, you know, wow, this is going to be you know, this guy's not messing around sort of thing because when you've seen um, previous um, not previous, but when you've seen Regenerations of Doctor Who, even in the newer stuff when when Chris Eccleston regenerated into David Tennant uh, there was this there was this moment where he was just trying to get used to his new body, he's like, wow, teeth and all that kind of stuff, here, yeah. and then Matt Smith did it again when when David Tennant regenerated into Matt Smith he went through this whole wow well, nose chin you know hair all that sort of stuff whereas when Peter Davison regenerated into Colin Baker there was none of that it was just immediately like well everything that I can see around me has gone before his crap because he's like change you know change. <laughs> and from the looks of things not on mo- from the looks of things not a moment too soon so you kind of you kind of think, wow, this guy means business. So it's a very big change at the end, and it's sad to see Peter Davison go because, like I said, I think he's really, really good as the Doctor, really fabulous actor. in this particular story, um, it's not too long as well. Some of the classic era of Doctor Who, they've some because they were mainly serials, and they kind, some of them are like six, eight, ten parts, whereas this one's only four parts. So it's quite easy to watch in one sitting. I. When I watched it the other day, um, I had no problem in just watching all four of them. You know, it was, it was fine. I really enjoyed it. Whereas some of the the other classic Doctor Who's, you really have to invest the time into watch them or split them up a little bit. So if you haven't seen any of the Peter Davison uh, Doctor Who's, I really recommend this one. It's a great story, um, and it's it's Peter Davison at his best, I think, as a Doctor. <laughs> thank you for joining me in this first episode of the big blue box podcast next episode i interview a thoroughly nice chap uh, mr neil perryman who is the author of the book adventures with the wife in space uh, which is a really good book it's probably the best uh, doctor who book that i've read over the last few months i can definitely relate to this story Um, so that's coming up Uh, some other newsy bits and we look at another classic era doctor who Uh, but until then thank you very much and alonzi